Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlemachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. What a way to start the week. Absolutely the best way to start any week is with celebrations. And that's what we got, thanks to this weekend full of celebrations. Full of celebrations. It started with the Dodgers. The Dodgers and the Godfather, congratulations to the Godfather, Joe Kelly, for getting the final out, clinching the division for the Dodgers. I'm going to give you some sound. That's what we do. I want to give you some sound from Miguel Rojas, Jason Hayward, and Dave Roberts. Speech to the Dodgers. Here you go. Hi, boys. We've been doing this. Uh, Listen up. So it's like Mick May. We celebrate every single series that we win. And I think it's been uh, such an honor to be part of this team. Everybody congratulating others when, when we win series. We take care of uh, our, our business and we understand that we need everybody in this clubhouse to keep winning series. We've been doing in-house this year, grinding through everything. Hats off to all you guys. Much love. Um, somebody goes down, next man steps up. 
We stay together. Um, I got to shout out Curtis tonight, bro. Appreciate you. Yeah, Appreciate you, bro. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Get in. Get in. Get in. Goat. <laughs> goat is the goat. Emmett, come in and do your fucking thing, bro. And that's rock. Hell yeah. Hey, pitching tonight. Doing your thing, fellas. Same with Will behind the plate. Everybody, but uh, much love. Let's keep it going. This is the one step. Let's get him. I want to piggyback that message from Miggy and from Jason. The thing about this ball club that separates any ball club in the big leagues right now is the unselfishness and the desire to play for each other. There's no more talented group. There's no more unselfish group that plays for one another. Hey, boy, this is one. We're going to do this three more times, all right? Enjoy this moment because this is special. This is special. But let's not forget who we are and keep playing for each other. All right, boys. All right. Well, we aren't stopping there with the celebrations. The Orioles had a good one. Yep. The dong bong came out in the clubhouse. The Orioles, this was the one that people really, I don't know if they knew how to act. I mean, there's a lot of people in there who certainly had never gone through anything like that. But they did. Congratulations. And this is what Brandon Hyde, the manager for the Baltimore Orioles, said in this aforementioned celebration. We wouldn't have done it any other way than this. Absolute grind. So proud of you guys. So proud of you guys all year. The first step. This is the first step. All right? We're going to keep doing this. We can't do this. All right? This is step one of many celebrations. Here we go! All right, and finally, the Rays are behind the Orioles in the division, but that doesn't mean they didn't make the playoffs. They made the playoffs. We got a couple people who talked after they clinched the playoffs, and those people were Eric Neander, the president of baseball operations for the Rays, and the manager, Kevin Cash. Here you go. But you did clinch a postseason berth, five postseason berths in a row now. What's the feeling after that? Yeah, it, it'll it'll come on and be appreciated with a few more minutes here. But I think you could say this team is the most resilient team that, that we've ever had. This game was started by Zach Wattell. Tristan Gray is here because <laughs> the Walsh family having a baby, the, the big hit there. Um Wanted more than anything for that game to, to go our way. Uh, obviously a big swing in the division. It didn't. There's still games left. As I said, we're in a chance to win the division with Zach Littell starting a game. Tristan Gray chipping in. They're resilient. we got games to go. These guys will stay at it. Would have been nice to get it, but we'll keep going. And we got a shot. We're in. I was going to say your confidence in this group moving forward because the talk the last month and really the whole season has been they want the division. Yeah, without question. I mean, that's an easier path to the ultimate goal of the World Series. You get to skip that best of three, and we saw last year that the best of three doesn't always go your way. So, um, but it is it is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it now. We got an off day tomorrow. We'll get back home. Uh, got to continue to play well. And uh, wherever that takes us, it takes us. But there's still plenty of season ahead, and looks like we're going to be in a good position. I don't know. Is it clinched? Are we hosting for sure one way or the other for that wild card? I don't know. But determined. Sure. All right, we can edit that out maybe. But uh, let's let's play well, and, uh, yeah, like we're in. And, and uh, that gives you the shot. We 
you know, can look back over time that that's the most important aspect to having a shot to win that World Series. You guys have clinched a postseason berth, five postseason berths in a row. What does that mean to the club? Look, it really excited, really proud of this group. Uh, they're all special in their own way. Uh, I just spoke to the club really, really briefly, congratulated the guys in the room, the guys that have contributed throughout that are not in the room with us. Uh, it's it's taken a lot to get here. I think everybody realizes that. The injuries, um, plenty of things have taken place, but really commend this group and happy that we're in. And now let's see where we go. All right, now that we've given you all the celebration, set the scene, all of that, it's time to get the brass tacks. And brass tacks in this podcast today is what GMs do you want to hire? Whatever you want to call them, GMs, President of Baseball Operations, whatever you want to call them. David Stearns, he's going to the Mets to run their ship. Heim Bloom, he's not running the ship of the Red Sox anymore. He was fired. So who do you want as your guy? Well, we brought in Julian McWilliams, second time on the podcast, third time with a heart-wrenching, heartwarming Get together with Daniel Bard, with Julian and Daniel, talked about what it was like to have the yips. Remember that podcast? That was good. Well, Julian's back. He's fired up. And Julian and myself, we talk about who we would want to have running our organizations. And in this case, the one that needs to be filled, the Red Sox after Heim Bloom was fired. All right. I don't want to keep you in any more suspense. There's a lot to get to this week. There's a lot to get to today. There's a lot to get to in this podcast. Here you go. Julian McWilliams of the Boston Globe and myself talking about the best of the best when you're looking for GMs and chief decision makers. Making his second appearance on Baseballs and Boring, the first time he actually co-hosted, one of the few times any I've allowed anyone to take the reins of this podcast. And that's Julian McWilliams, the Boston Globe. And Julian McWilliams had interviewed one of the most heart-wrenching, tear-jerking episodes we've ever had. Meant a lot to a lot of people. That was when you interviewed Daniel Bard. Or not, I don't want to say interviewed him. I just say two guys talking. talking. It was a therapy session. It, it was, was a therapy session. It was an Oprah moment. That's what I call my Oprah moment, where you're just <laughs> sitting on the couch with Oprah. And it, you're, uh, you know, and you feel like the tears just, just coming, just welling up in your eyes. And that's why baseball isn't boring, Rob. You never know. You, you never know when someone's going to step in and just have this emotional, life-changing. And it may, maybe it did change lives. And what we're talking about is when you sat down with Bard, Daniel Bard, you both had the yips. Um, you're the only media member I know who had the yips, I mean, in terms of throwing a baseball. I know some media members who have the yips when it comes to actually printing words and, and yeah. saying the right thing. But um, but you, you sat down with Bard. And you talked about with the Yips. I think that he appreciated. I think the people who listened to it appreciated. It was probably the highlight of your career, to be honest with you. Congratulations. It was. It was. It was. It was the best. It was the best moment in my career. No, seriously. I mean, it meant a lot just to sit there and talk to him. And uh, you know, he even told me, "He's like, hey, why don't you just go out there and start throwing a baseball?" So you know what? I went out there. I've been throwing a baseball at Savin Hill Little League Park. Did you really? You have? Yeah. For the first. Yeah, for the first I, time. I just been throwing, I just been at second base, just throwing it like the baseball. And, you know, my dog loves ball, like chasing balls. So she just runs right after him. So yeah, it's been, how how do you, how do you feel? Feels fine now, but it just, if you put a person there, that might be something a little different. Yeah. I mean, I I was, 
I think that why don't you why don't you do this, okay? Kenley's still uh quarantining because of COVID, but I see uh-huh. he's like throwing in like alleys in Boston or something, right? Really? Yeah. So I think that maybe let's arrange this where maybe tomorrow or today, as as people listen to this, that you you throw a baseball with Kenley. Oh, let's do it. Let's yeah. text him right now. I'll okay. meet you in the alley. Uh, <laughs> See, things that you never thought you'd be doing at the beginning of the 2023 season, A, appear on Baseball's Boring for a second straight time, and B, texting Kenley Jansen saying, let's go throw a baseball in an alley. So, yeah, exactly. There, exactly. There you go. Well, yeah. another thing, another thing, Julian, which I never thought would, we would be doing at the end of a base, this baseball season, is talking so much about GMs, about president of baseball operations, about chief decision makers. Obviously, it's been in the news lately, last week, two different occasions, two different things. David Stearns, uh, he hasn't, that's, it hasn't been official, right? Has it, has no, it announced yet. it? No, no. I don't think so. No. But- so David Stearns did, uh, you know, he's going to be president of baseball operations and then Heim Bloom, President of, ba- or I'm sorry, Chief Baseball Officer, he gets fired by the, the Red Sox in the very same week. So this leads us, all roads lead to you and I breaking down the what is a good GM. I, I, I'm just going to call it GM. Let's get this out of the way. I don't like, you can call President of Baseball Operations Chief Baseball. Yes, can, please. can we agree to this? this yes, like it's, it's, it's confusing. Just what happens to GM and assistant GM? Like, that's fine. And you know what? And if you want to keep people on the payroll, Rob, that don't actually do anything, but just like glorified secretaries, that's fine. You can do that too. But please, let's just stop with all this, like just these creating this, these names and stuff like that. Like, what, like, I mean, it's, it's columnist, general columnist, beat writer, like it's fine. Like, but we don't have these names from like, it's like bloggers coming into our world and we're now giving them names. Like, what are we doing? It's seriously, seriously, it's the most confusing thing ever. And especially when you have to explain, I have to explain it to my wife. She's like, so what's the difference? So Haim is a GM. Yeah, well, technically, but then you have these other guys. So they named chief baseball officer. So then who's the president of baseball operations? And, you know, it's all over the place. Haim ran the show. Okay. Let's just say. Right. That. I call it chief decision maker. Um, po- I mean, people, when, when I start seeing Pobo like all week long, I had never even seen Pobo before. Like yeah. what? Is, where did Pobo come from? Well, that obviously that's like president that. of baseball operations. You know that, that sounds, sounds like, like that yeah. sounds like some gentrification, Rob. <laughs> like that, that's what that sounds like to me. Uh, I don't. You know, whatever. Like, I, well, I, when they name when like when they start naming like places like like uh, like Harlem, like South Harlem, Soha, and I was like, wait, what? Soha? <laughs> like what is the oh South Harlem? I didn't even know there was a South Harlem. <laughs> I just thought it was just all Harlem. Like, what happened to that? You know? It's the gentrification of the name. Well, all right. Well, I won't call it Pobo. I won't call it President of Baseball Operations. I won't even call it Chief Decision Maker. I'm just going to say GM. So, uh, all right. So, we have different categories we can go through, right? So, I think that we can say, who is, give me your top five GMs right now. We can give the then you can do the list of top five GMs that you would. Well, I guess it would be the same thing of that you would want. Why don't we do that? Well, let's start there. Yeah. So yeah. if you if Jill McWilliams has a team, congratulations on owning a team. Yeah. Who, who said I, who said journalists don't make money? 
Exactly. Um, so you you are owning a team. You have you have your choice of anybody that you want to start with. You have that type of power. You have that type of cachet. You are you are the character, the John Henry character in Moneyball, where you're sliding the piece of paper over to Billy Bean. Yeah. All right. And so um I'm gonna I want your top five. I don't know how you want to do you want to rank them or you just want to give me five? So I want to just give you five, Rob. All right. Give me five. Give me five guys that you think are uh the best in the biz slash, in other words, people that you want running your team. Go yeah. ahead. Well, you know, I I've been pretty critical of, of him in my in my group chats and my people back home, but like I mean you got to give Brian Cashman credit, right? I mean, he's been doing it for a long time. They haven't, they haven't obviously haven't won the World Series, but if you talk about like the long term sustainability that these teams are striving for, I think that's that's pretty much sums it up right there. Um, so, I mean, I, that's obviously one of them. I think you know Mike Hazen, your buddy, your boy from out we there, talk, yeah, uh, just because he's on the podcast. Yeah, you know, if, if you come on the podcast, you you have. I mean, I'm not seduced just because you come on the podcast. I'll rip you tomorrow. I don't care. I know, I know. You've ripped a lot of people, Rob. I'm, I'm trying to stay. I'm trying to stay clear of that. Well, know? I mean, you have a better chance of not being ripped if you're on the podcast. But Mike Hazen, okay. So let's, first of all, let's start this with Cashman. Let's have a discussion about it, okay? Yeah. With okay. cat with Cashman, I don't. I agree with you. And people in New York will freak out, but I agree with you that like we can't discount what he's done. I mean, how many times have they been in this situation? This is the first time since 2016, really. Yeah, like, they were sort of like sellers. Yeah, and uh, and so you can't. And, and their farm system, they what he's done is traded. Guys in the farm system, but this is one of the good things that he does. This this has to be part of the conversation. Is is they're able to hype up their prospects and then trade them for something? Yeah, right? because you can say, well, their their farm system's overrated because look at the guys they traded that they haven't amounted to anything. Well, who cares? So what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got something for them. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. With the exception of like Clint Frazier and. Uh... Because they could have had like, who was it, Clint Frazier? And but that team. was the that was the last time that he bought. So maybe he's not good at that. I don't know. Yeah, that that yeah. was the that was the um actually that was you got Glaber Torres, right? That same not that's in the Frazier deal, not in the Clint Frazier deal, but that same year in the Chapman deal, right? It was the same year. Yeah. So yeah. 16, so yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm but he did well that year. He was on a heater that year, Rob. But he, he got guys job that year. Yeah. But I um, mean, you know, but you look at guys who were um, Justice Sheffield. Uh, oh, who was who? Uh, You're right. They traded him, and he sucked in Seattle. Right. And I think so, he was in the Paxton deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Paxton deal. Um, who was the guy? Uh, oh my! I should look this up, but I know you're going to drop Cashman on me. Uh, who was uh, the catcher? I'm not, and I'm not talking about Gary Sanchez. Not Sanchez because he got DFA, right? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking Gary Sanchez, but there was someone. Anyway, there was there was plenty of guys. Look at um, I tell you another one, Zach Britton. Zach yeah. Britton they got from the Orioles for um, Dylan Tate. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, all these. There's plenty of examples of that, and so I think to me that's a skill. 
to me, that's a skill of being able to hype guys up, present guys, get guys to where people believe their prospects, and then saying, knowing in the back of your mind, they really aren't that good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's all it's all entertainment at the end of the day. We're in an entertainment business, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what I mean, that's what that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, everybody's in entertainment. But I mean, even I, mean, I cover the A's, and like I think Billy Bean is by far the most charismatic GM I've ever been around. Like in terms of just his his aura, the way he walks, it's like, damn, this is this is a California guy coming to coming to like work in sandals. But then you see him in a suit, like, oh my gosh, he's actually like a really good looking guy. You know what I mean? And like he's like he knows how to like to like work. Like he's a he's a he's a wordsmith. And like I remember when Kyler Murray, when he came to 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 his BP session and did all that stuff as a first round pick, I think someone asked the question, it was like, would you have signed with the A's had like they said, Hey, you can't play football? And he was like, and he was just stopped. And it was like, it's like, that's like, oh gosh, this guy's never coming. He's never coming here. That's, that's why I was like, he's going to play football. And then Billy Bean just flipped it like after like five seconds, like, let me tell you this. If he didn't play football, I wouldn't have drafted him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and so there's just like, there's just like this, this sense of charisma, I think that comes with being able to relay your message and stuff, stuff like that to people. I think that's why some GMs last so long is because Cashman, he's good with the media, right? Like, He's able to sort of tote that line. And, you know, we talk about hyping up prospects. Hey, it's part of, it's part of the gig, man. You have to be on all the time. Like it can't always be like, you know, you're looking in some spreadsheet and all that stuff. No, you got to go out there and entertain a little bit. You know what I mean? You got to be a, you got, you got to be Megan the Stallion. I'll stop right there. No, no. If you did nothing else, you were the first person on this podcast to compare Brian Cashman to Megan the Stallion. Hey, you got to entertain, Rob. If I only knew someone who knew Megan the Stallion. Um, <laughs> well, it's it's funny you talk about Billy Bean. I remember way back after the Moneyball thing, I was doing the Moneyball sequel, which was Chasing Steinbrenner, and it was uh, and we I sat down with, in his office with Billy. It was like someone said, "Were you seduced by Billy?" I'm like, kinda. <laughs> Yeah. It happens. It happens. Like it's, it's, I mean, he knows how to work it. And that goes to say something knowing that he's like, I mean, he's first off, he's probably been like one A's game this year. So like people saying like, Oh, he's the next team at Red Sox. It's like, he's coming nowhere near this thing. Like he's fine. He has like, he's probably going to sell his share in the A's and go off and like do more Sloan conferences. Like, He's seen more games for a soccer team in India than he's seen <laughs> A's games. Like it's it's not he he's somewhere else. He's not yeah. he's not in the in the in the baseball operations part of it anymore. That's just not him. So, but I think that to come back to Cashman, it's it's all the things that we're talking about, and also the willingness to why you're building up because up until recently, like their farm system was considered rightfully or wrongfully, it was. Uh, it was considered really, really good. You know, they just keep yeah. they have them coming. Like the Severino kid coming up, this Herman yeah. kid coming up. And uh, but the other part about this is that his thing is winning, man. Like, yeah, yeah. you can miss on Carlos Rondon, but you're in on him. Like you're taking, yeah. you're not you. You have the money. You're taking advantage of the money as much as you can. Yeah, and and I think that that's uh, and it's also a results business. They've won a lot. They've done it a yeah. different way, but they've won it a lot. 
Yeah. All right. So you mentioned your second one was Hazen. Yeah. So tell me why Hazen. He's been around the Red Sox organization. I think he's been able to add a lot to that team um, in Arizona, and they've done a really, really good job of that. Um, even, even down to like, you know, deadlines and like sort of, you know, speaking about like, oh, what, what do you need on this team? Oh, we need a personality on this team. We need a tough guy on this team. Oh, let's go get Tommy Pham. Like, I don't think it gets any tougher than that guy. Right. So like, and I think Corbin Carroll said he spoke to the fact of like how Tommy has brought that sort of that edge to their locker room that they were sort of missing a little bit. And the way he's been able to build up that program and build up everything over there, I think it's been really impressive, you know, and just to be able to do it sort of in that market. Now, and he has, and he obviously has ties to the Red Sox. I think he knows what it, what it takes to win over here. I think he knows what it, what it means to, to this market. And I think that's something that's all, that's kind of been missing, you know, to, to be honest with you is just like the pulse for like the fan base and how much the pulse of the fan base, uh, or, or how much, how much, how much of, of, of the team's success sort of is, is, is built around like how this city maneuvers and how people you know, go about their business. Like it, a lot of stuff rests on the Red Sox. People's morality rests on the Red Sox. Like it's like people's day-to-day lives rest on the Red Sox. So, and I don't know necessarily if, if, if Heim necessarily understood that to the degree of which, you know, say a, a Hazenwood or, you know, like we I mentioned, like a Cashman would or something like that. That takes time. It takes failure in some sense, I think. I think this is the one time you can say, quote, unquote, you know, Heim has sort of failed. And could he be a GM of the Red Sox in 10, 15 years or five years from now? It'd probably be a lot better than what he was when he was here. And not saying that he wasn't good. I'm just saying that there, there takes experiences to go through that. I mean, he was in Tampa where – Stuff didn't really matter. You know what I mean? It just, it just didn't, your team was good and successful at winning, but it, it didn't necessarily make Tampa more interested in the team. We just came from there and they're a first place team now, just over to this, just, you know, just hopped over the Orioles again and they had like 13,000 people there. I mean, it wasn't, you saw it, Rob, from the third row. I mean, it was, it was terrible. It's so like you, it's so like, like, so that like the, the team success, it doesn't matter to the to the to the market. I, I think. Why I does think, the team failure matter to the market? Yeah, I think it's it's we can talk about this with the Mets and the Red Sox, and this is, you know, you look at the the Mets situation where they had so much juice and so much excitement uh, coming off of the off season, and then obviously it goes the other way. But when the David Stearns thing was announced, oh my goodness, they were coming out of their skin. I mean, that legit yeah. that legit sold tickets. So yeah. now you like spin it toward, and I do think that part of this conversation about and Stearns is he's I mean he's he's from there too, right? He grew up a Mets he, fan, like there's yeah there's, he from he from there, and people don't even know like I get guarantee like fifty percent of the people who are excited have no idea what trade he made. They like they heard that they like the idea of that you got the guy that everyone wanted, right? And, right. and yeah, yeah, he was from there, sure. And I think that with the Heim thing, it was there was definitely an element. It, there was no question about it where ownership said was, was seeing the apathy creep into the fan base. That is a fact, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I've said this a bunch of times, but the one thing that this ownership group, you can talk about them being distracted, whatever, but the one thing this ownership group does n- will never tolerate and freaks them out is that word. 
is apathy. I mean, you yeah. you were at um, you were at the in spring training when uh, the Mookie bet when they traded Mookie Betts. Were you there? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So they had the press conference. What are the the the, I th- the immediate takeaway from that press conference was they were so worried about the the the, the apathy creeping in. This is why they drop in the middle of the press conference college ticket prices, you know, these packages. And that's the thing that freaks them out because I thought Julian with Heim, and we're not going to focus all on Heim because we're we're, we're spinning it for. But I I thought that that he had a good chance of staying around because they were like, okay, well, you can make the case of this slow play, this slow play, this slow play. But the slow play got washed over by the immediacy of the here and the now, which was the Dodgers fans coming in and taking over, the $1 oh. seats of the Yankees, like all that. That's the thing that – so anyway, to, to your, over your, your overall point with Hazen is that I think that's the one guy to me that is like legitimately like in the conversation perhaps that people mm-hmm. would be like, yes, because they know him. Like they know yeah. him. They know he was a Theo tree and – you know, stuff like that. And then he's done pretty well in Arizona. And, and another thing about Hazen is that he's not afraid, with, to your point, not afraid to go out and get Tommy Pham, not afraid to go out and get Evan Longoria for that clubhouse, which, by the way, what a slide. Holy crap. Do you see yeah. that slide? So, yeah. um, and also not afraid to make that deal the deadline and not afraid to make big deals. Like a couple of years ago when J.D. Martinez, you know, they go, we're in it. Let's go. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was, I was talking to, to, to an agent and he's saying like this about sort of like saying this about like smaller markets and like how, how, um, people assume that like, oh, you come from a Tampa. It's, you know, you'll definitely have success here because you have money. And it's like, well, that's not necessarily true because in Tampa, like you only know that you can get say 20% of these guys. I can't get these 80%. Like I can't get the rest of 80%. So let's, let's focus on this, this, let's go really, really like micro and let's go these, this 20% of guys in this like little like tunnel that we can focus on. And that's how you pick and, 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 and construct your roster. Well, it's a different thing when you have money and you can get everybody. So like, you know, that, that 20% now becomes a part of that 80% and they're all just like jumbled together and you have to figure out, okay, how does this work? How does this, how does this value work for my team? Do I take this person who I think can maybe be, say, a Garrett Whitlock and give me a good year or so or two years or whatever as a, as a, as a reliever, as a, you know, a DFA, who's a guy that was DFA'd or, or non-tendered by the Yankees? Sure. Okay. You did that. Great. But can I also get the Garrett Cole guy, right? Or not even the Garrett Cole guy. Let's just even go Kevin Gosman, who's mm-hmm. not, who's, who's, a really good pitcher is an ace for a staff, but isn't necessarily Garrett Cole. Can I get that guy and see and still see the value in bringing that guy on as well? Can I get the Kyle Schwarbers of the world? You know what I mean? Can I get, you know, Hunter Renfro who might cost a little bit more than maybe what Tampa wants to spend? Like, how do I, how do I just, how do I just sort of, you know, finagle just this, 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 having this, this cash of money, this wad of money, right? It's like the guy who's been broke and then all of a sudden he's rich. And you're like, okay, well, I can buy everything, so I don't want to go crazy, right. you know. Right. And I think Heim kind of got to his point where it's like he got gun shy because it's like, oh, geez, like I'm not used to having this amount of money. And yes, our ownership probably had something to do with that, you know, his his thinking about what he could spend, what he couldn't spend, getting low with CBT. I get that, but 
but you still had significantly more money to work with in Tampa. And so when we're looking at, at, at the page and we're seeing guys come in like a, you know, Kyle Barraclaw or these guys, you're like, what are we doing? And so I think that's where ownership got to a point of like, what are we doing? You know? So, yeah. Well, I think another thing to go back to Hazen is along with, and I, I think that having the balls to make important deals is a big part yeah. of this. And, but I also think of identifying your building it up. Another thing that Hazen has proven is that he's picked the right guys to like, we can talk about the young guys and the building up. Well, Corbin Carroll, you know, kid, they just called up Jordan Lawler. You know, yeah. there's a, there's a bunch of other guys. And, and, and by the way, like Zach Gallon, let's talk, let's talk about that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you made that trade. This is, and this, the other end of that trade, you know, was, I give them credit as well, but you traded Jazz Chisholm, you know, obviously perceived by a lot of people, even at the time they traded as a future star for Zach Gallon. Yeah. I think it was it one for one. If it wasn't, it was close. It was but, close. Uh, I, yeah. can't, I can't remember. I but, can't but, remember but, but this is like you identify the guy, you give up the thing that's going to be painful, but you know what? It's, it's, it's going to pay off. And yeah, that was to me, that says a lot as well. Um, it does. It does. Yeah. I think it was one for one in exchange for, yeah, it was one for one. Yeah. And by the way, like the Marlins one for one trades. Or, or pretty close to it. I know that it's sometimes it's a smattering of something thrown in. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. You know, you have Pablo Lopez, you know, for a rise. You know, yeah. uh, another one was uh, J.J. Blade for A.J. Puck. You know, so in that, that that's just Lombardo, okay. It's like, okay. You know what? This is going to be a 50-50. This yeah. isn't going to be an 80-20. It's going right. to be a 50-50. So, yeah. um Anyway, all right. Who's who's now? Give me another one. Give me a third one. Uh, I th- I think we need to go with, and uh, this is where I think uh, I don't think Eddie Romero is getting enough love for for me. Like I think that's a guy that's been with the organization eighteen, nineteen years. I mean his his track record of of guys from Bogarts to Devers to now Bayo. Um, I mean he's he's brought in like if there's a guy that's brought in like superstars for this team or stars for this team, the stars for this franchise. And it's so much harder on the international side, right? I was talking to a guy who's saying that, like, it's completely different because you have you have to get over like the guys, you know, in a sixty yard dash. Like he said, it's like it's he said it's like they'll they'll like move the cone up a little bit, right? Where they'll have the guy like <laughs> make it fifty five yards. It's like a lot of scheming going on in these like like these sort of these Latin American countries where you're just trying to you know guys are trying to make ends meet. And it's like okay, I'm gonna try to get my player there, but. Hey, I'm going to, you know, scare the rules a little bit for just for us to win. So Eddie has to look past all that stuff and, 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 and be able to, to say, okay, who's the player here? How can I get this player over here? How can I then, how can I trust that this player can adjust to, to being not only in the Amer- in America, but if he gets to Boston, if he gets to Worcester, if he gets to Pawtucket or, you know, uh, you know, whatever, like, how can, how can I, how can I, how do I know if this player is going to work out here? So you have to have all that infrastructure in place. That's a really, really tough job. And I think if you can do the international side, you can do like I think this side is is, is probably it's probably you can do this side easier. Now, granted, you're taking care of a team. There's a lot more stuff that you can that you have to like go over. You know, I get it. There's you're you're employing hundreds of people from nutrition to whatever. However, you still have but you've he's been here long enough to know 
what needs to happen, what needs to take place, in addition to what needs to take place, what the fans want, right? And and I think his relationship with Cora is paramount because you saw this in the last in the in the last case. I don't know if you can say whatever, but I don't know if Cora and, and, and Heim had the best relationship. You know, I, you can we can point to you know, no GM is n- none of my like employees are going to be wearing a shirt that implies like underdogs, right? I which, say, by, which, which by the way, it's it was. Uh, were you in Washington? No. Okay, so I was, I was in New York. So he was wearing, you know, like Cora was. Wearing, in case people don't know, you know, Heim Bloom talk says how the team's an underdog. At the trade deadline, a lot of people say, well, not really. You're, you know, a game or two back and I make, you can make the list of things why you weren't underdog. And I said this to him. I'm like, you weren't underdogs. You weren't. You were, you had the tiebreaker against the team you were go right at, staring at right in front of you. Yeah. Um, and you're going to play like in a couple of days. Um, but it got a lot of play. Alex Cora, where's the big you? I knew immediately that, Hey, that's in people who aren't as old as me might not, but it was, that's the underdog cartoon. That's that yeah. shirt. Yeah. And, um, and so he said, Veritech put it in my locker or whatever. Well, okay. I, I can put a baseball. But just the fact that, hold on. I can put a baseball as a boring t shirt in his locker. He's not going to wear it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right? But he's like, this is underdog. And so I was on that trip and I'm thinking like, he's walking right back and forth. Like he must be like in on the joke or something. I don't yeah. know, but I guess it, nope, he wasn't. No, he was, and, and I don't know if he even knew the underdog cartoon. But so the the idea that you know Core is doing that, it does like take a step back from it now. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it is kind of like, crazy. It's it, crazy. It, it, it's crazy. And the fact that the fact that like a guy in Veritech who's trying to be a manager, as far as I know, as far as I'm concerned, it feels comfortable enough to do that, even if he did, shows how much he had lost that coaching staff. You know what I mean? Like, you just don't do stuff like, and I can't imagine Aaron Boone walking around with an underdog t-shirt if, if Brian Cashman said they were underdogs. Because you know what? At the next day, you're probably gone. But that just showed sort of the pecking order in this, where Cora's is like, I'm not afraid of losing my job. You should maybe be afraid of using yours. Like, when I, when I saw it in New York, I'm like, is this serious? Like, oh my gosh. And then, and then that last day in New York when they swept the Yankees, it wasn't just the innocuous because at first he was like, "Oh, the U, Miami," yeah. and and then but the, then that last day in New York, it was the a, a different all. T-shirt that said literally "Underdog," yeah, with, with the with the cartoon character. But to come back to your Eddie Romero thing, I think it's a good one, and and you know we can talk about whether it's for the Red Sox or whether it's for whatever team, it's for Julian McWilliams' team. But it's um, I think the international. Special scouting thing is is a good point, one which isn't talked about enough because you have to spend the money, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is where you have to spend the money, and it's a lot of money for the. It, it is a flat out bidding war. This is mm-hmm. the purest form of free agency in a lot of ways, yeah. and you have to do it while looking at Ellie Dela Cruz as a 130 pound 16 year old. So you have to project exactly. who are you giving this money to. Which is is still incredible to me that you know that even like a Sedan Rafaela, one hundred and twenty eight pounds, one hundred and twenty eight pounds, who has hit in his life, Julian. When you sign him in his life, has hit two home runs in his life. So you have to project what that is going to become. So I think that, and this goes to scouts. Eddie, Eddie's that's... always quick to credit his scouts and his guys, and yeah. But, uh, but I think that that's 
that's a great point um, about, you know, having the conviction to pay, know what you're going to pay. And the other part about it is relationships. Yeah. I mean, to, yeah, to be, I know that, that, that's huge. It's huge that's in the huge. international scouting thing. And, and it's also, I, I agree with you about getting along with the manager. That has to be part of it too, to go back to your Hazen thing. I mean, that's a big part of that deal, man. Yeah. And really Cashman too. Like, yeah. Those guys, you know, Hazen and Lavello, Cashman and Boone, like, mm-hmm. they seem to, to be pretty, I don't hear a lot of like Cashman and Boone animosity. I mean, maybe there is. I don't know. But I know that probably, with Hazen, I mean, it probably is. But, but Hazen like, and Lavello are like peas in a pod there. So. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. Good you one. Know, I think that's, that's a, that's a definitely a huge for, it, like, I think for this market, you know, you need someone that's going to match, um, you know, he has it. He, he's confident. He's cocky. Match, match Cora's ego in a sense. Right. So Dombrowski was a perfect person for that because Dombrowski had an ego too. He believed in himself. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like you have to have somebody that has the guts. And the wherewithal to be able to like, no, Alex, this is what we're doing. Okay, you need this. Okay, I'm gonna get you this, but you better win. Like mm-hmm. that's you know, it, it's like you have to have that sort of position with him because so, uh, go ahead. It's sorry. alpha male against alpha male. Like it's alpha against alpha. You can't so, be beta in like so. There, you know, again, before we pivot back to the bigger picture of the world of baseball, um, to go back to Cora and the relationship between a manager and the front office. All right, so when they go into this, who are the guys that we know of that you would say, okay, that Cora would immediately – because they love Cora as a manager. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, They love him as a manager. I think they want to keep him as a manager. But at the same time, there might be fits where it's it's the same thing all over again, and you don't want that. Mm-hmm. So who are the guys who are available who are might be in the in the conversation – that Alex Cora would be immediately like, okay, you know that there's going to be that great dynamic. Eddie Romero, all right. Uh, I'm just going to rattle off. Of, I think Hazen. He mm-hmm. was. He knows Hazen from the, the Hazen goes back to when he was with the Red Sox playing. Yeah. With them. He's seen yeah. what he's done with them. I'll give you another one. Is uh, John Daniels like he interviewed Alex Cora, mm-hmm. and 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 Alex Cora played for a brief minute with Texas when we were in Tampa. You know. Cora walked over and said, hey, J.D., like, like, so there's a relationship yeah. there, right? Yeah. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Um... So there's probably some more, you know, and then you get to the people that maybe he doesn't have relationships, but he just respects and that, and you know that that person, uh, will understand that the, the manager has, has their role and they, yeah. it has a, and uh, the one that jumps to mind is Dayton Moore, a guy that we've talked about. Oh, dude. I, I mean, minus whatever stuff he had 
the you know the clubhouse, whatever. But yeah. Well, like, I mean, but still, I mean, it, it's like no. It's, he's a baseball. I think you need a baseball guy. I think yeah. I think we need like if if somebody else wants to be a number two, that's really really analytically driven. Fine. But I think the one thing that you have to that you have to realize in this market in New York in New York New York market, like yes, Cashman is. I think he's become they've become way too analytically driven. And I think that's part of the problem too. But Cashman's also still a baseball guy, in my, in my opinion. And I think they hired Omar Minaya in part because they were like, we need to get a little bit more baseball. Well, who was, we've talked about this when in the Red Sox front office. Where was that guy? Like, where was that guy? It was it, it. What there was no guy. There, the, well, the second guy was went to MIT. Well, and and also the Groupman guy. I mean, he's he's the uh, well. He's a and and you can say, well, Brian and Halloran and Eddie Romero and Raquel. But here's the problem: it's not from outside the organization. We're talking about a guy like a different set of eyes, a different yeah. voice, a different. And we can rattle off the team. You rattle off Omar Minaya. But I yeah. do think that whatever dynamic that is, that you have to have that person. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, I think Dayton Moore is a good good example because, I mean, even down to, like, the player development and even down to, like, I remember the quote he gave about, like, saying, like, hey, the guy that doesn't make it in oh. the majors matters just as much as the guy who does. That was, that, was the, that was the anthem of, like, when that COVID stuff and the gutting of the minor leagues. Yeah. And he – listen, I mean, it's like he worked for a team, and, and I'm sure MLB – like, MLB is doing this across yeah. the board – but he gave like the guttural reaction and the anthem for what everything that everything about what baseball and he wasn't wrong. I mean, you're a perfect example of this. You play baseball, right? Can you imagine like if you were in the minor league, say they or this like you played in college, like if say, hey, sorry, you know what? We don't give up. We're not allowing anybody to play college baseball anymore. Yeah. Well, like how would that would affect you or or yeah. or your love of the game or or whatever it is and. Yeah. So anyway, but I think that, and I told you this before, um, you know, with Dayton, you know, I, I always remember this. He said that he makes it a point to pay his minor league managers as much as any league minor league managers in the game. This was Kansas City. Yeah. Right. It seems like so a good it, idea. It matters. It matters. It's, it's, it's culture building. And I think that's something that we, we forget in all this is like, there's, there are humans in the locker room, right? And I think, it's important that GMs are around. Um, I think it's important that they, that they have these relationships with players. Yeah. So what? You might have to trade them. Okay. That's part of the business. Like that's, it's fine. Like just because my boss can fire me tomorrow doesn't mean I shouldn't have a relationship with my boss. Like it's just like, you know, it's just part of the game. It's part, it's part of, if I don't perform, I might get fired, you know, and I feel as a grown person, you should be have the wherewithal to, to be able to accept that and know that. However, I think relationship building is huge. It's paramount for for a team to be able to have that. And I think that's what's being lost a lot in the game is that there isn't really this relationship between but even between like, you know, media and 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 uh and managers anymore. Like the stories I hear from, you know, Sean from back in the day when uh you know when when uh, you know Tito was manager from you when when Tito was manager like that stuff doesn't happen today. And so, like, there's no, there's no, if for, if, so if we're talking about a team, if there's a culture here, that's something that's important. So, like, Trevor Story, I saw that Trevor Story said he's doing this situation where he's going to have a camp for kids, you know, that are in the system because that's what Troy Tulowitzki did for him. He's going to have like an infield camp in Texas or something like that. I think that's, that's great. That's huge, right? Like, I think it's, it means something for a Nick York or Marcella Meyer to be there and be like, okay, 
you know, how do I be a, how am I a big leaguer? Okay. Here's my number, you know, uh, text me anytime. Let, let me know what you need. It's, it's the art of like culture building. And I think that's something that's been missing with this Red Sox team for the last couple of years. It's like, what is your identity? It's not a, is it, is it, it can't be a platoon guy at second base. It can't be a platoon guy in center field. There has to be some type of identity here. There has to be some type of everyday guy here because remember, we are in the business again of entertainment. Nobody wants to see an opener. I'm sorry. We don't want to see openers for a month. It doesn't work like that. You're not going to get butts in the seats as much as you want if we're using openers. You know the word that like, I found myself using when identifying exactly what you're talking about is that what do people want to invest in? What do they want to invest in financially? Tickets, invest in emotionally, like rooting for. And like you said, when you have this sort of revolving – group of people like who do you want to invest in like so that's what and maybe some of these kids ultimately emerge into someone you invest in arizona people want to invest their passion and their their excitement into a corbin carroll they want to invest their into zach gallon but like who do you want and you got to start finding these people and and it can't be and you aren't going to do that as much as like for instance like we like dealing with justin turner and kenley jansen well, we're not going to be here long enough for people to invest in them. No, no, it's 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 kind of like it's like the Red Sox have become the college one and done system, like the, it, the, the Kentucky. They've become Kentucky, exactly. Like except <laughs> without with Kyle Perry, except they're not getting the best players. Right. Like that's that's the thing. Like like we're getting like mid major guys. <laughs> you know, like uh, the, the, the get, the, yeah, they're getting um. Uh, Guys that J- went to like Siena J- College, J- James Young. Um, yeah. oh boy, I pulled that one out of him. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, all right, give me a fourth. You got a fourth? Uh, well, Dayton Moore was one of my guys. Brandon, yeah, Gomes. okay, all right. Well, okay. So, if you want to tie a bow on Dayton Moore, Dayton Moore right now is a consultant for the Rangers. Uh, well, whatever. Yeah, I don't know what he's special assistant to Chris Young. Another example of a GM, a newbie yeah. relying on somebody else. Um. And there was a lot of talk that he was going to go. He's tight with Chris Getz of the white, the new White Sox GM. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's going to happen because, um, because there was some thought, which I thought would have been a great dynamic of Dayton becoming sort of the, the, the head guy and then Getz learning his like GM ways, you know, underneath mm-hmm. them. But it doesn't seem like that. It seems like they're just going to give it all to Getz. So yeah. anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, we've already sort of stated the Dayton Moore thing. I, and they can talk about, well, you know, he doesn't know Cora well, probably, I don't know, but, um, but it doesn't matter. Like the, like we, all the things that we're talking about, are you giving me the finger? What are you doing? No, no, oh. I'm just, I'm just, that's actually not the finger. Though. All right. Oh, like there you go. Yeah. Oh, it's your, you showed me that you're married. Uh, yeah. congratulations to you. And Davidson so, didn't know I was married. The PR guy, Davidson did not know as I was married. That's because how you like how you use like this. You're a man of the people. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um. So yeah. So anyway, I think that you look at talk to the people who have worked in you know, and and this is another thing with Dayton. Well, something I talked about before. He came from the Atlanta, the Sherholtz regime, mm-hmm. right? There is one subtle thing about that regime. Nobody, nobody did a better job in trades because nobody built up their prospects better than them. Yeah. And, and they did a good job with that with Kansas City. 
Which, by yeah. the way, they they uh, well, I mean, Jesse Gibb, uh, JJ Piccolo, he's the uh, see the he's a GM there now, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they got um, the pitcher. Oh my goodness, I've drawn a blank for Chapman. Good job. But anyway, to come back to, they did a great job of of trades of identifying who was going to be good, who wasn't going to be good, mm-hmm. and trading them away. And I think that is. Especially now where these teams are, that is such a huge deal of knowing yeah. who's good and who's not. And not just hanging on to everybody, hoping that, you know, hey, you know what? We see the best in this kid, and so yeah. he's going to be something somewhere down the line. Cole Raggins? Is that what Cole Raggins. Yeah, yeah, Reagans. Yeah, yeah. Cabrera? Yeah. Cole Raggins. He's, he's like, Reagan. dealing. He's, like, dealing. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's a, that's a bad example because, actually, you know, Dayton was part of that – that uh, who knows if he was for that trade against it, but anyway. So we've already said Dayton Moore. So who was the fifth? Who was the fifth? I got, I got, I got Chris and Chris Antonetti. Antonetti, yeah. I think, I think you know what? Because I mean, the Red Sox have had issues with pitching, right? If you want to go and look at the track record, even dating back to the nineties, Cleveland has always developed and 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 pitching better than I think probably majority of teams in the league consistently from the nineties. They, you know, and so if you look at their, you know, from the guys, Bieber, McKenzie, like McKenzie was a project, right? Like that's not a guy that's like, if you look at him, you're like, Oh, that's a guy that could be good. Like you see him on a high school, and I'm like, huh, he has interesting stuff, but I guarantee you if he went to a different, a, a number of systems, he would have failed. He would have flamed out, yeah. but you get him in that system with Cleveland and you're looking at a player like, Oh, wow. Like, this guy has something, you know, and I know from Bauer to Kluber to, you know, Bieber to all these guys that come through that system. The Red Sox have not been able for whatever reason to pinpoint pitching that that was their That was their Achilles heel this year. That 16 game stretch Cora said is like we did not pitch like, yeah, we can talk about the other stuff, but like we didn't pitch. And that's a guy that comes from a pitching that from from a pitching program that is better that that is top tip top shelf. I think that's an interesting name. He, does he does he come here? I think he might have another year or something. No, but we're talking about who you would hire. Yeah, I mean that that's a guy that's a guy that I, that that I would seriously consider because I think he has a way a, a, an ability to be able to pinpoint pitching, and I think that's something that the Red Sox. It's been brutal to watch them this year and seeing guys not go go a, a four and two thirds and can't get through the fifth inning. Why is that happening? It's not just it's not just a it's not just a, a baseball thing. Uh, yeah, sure, it's cultural where they they teach these guys to go you know blow you know to to you know uh, uh, you know go through and just empty the tank through five innings. Yeah, but like these guys are going to three and two thirds, two and two thirds, you know, four and two thirds. What what's going on with the Red Sox that these guys can't get through these innings? And so I think that's something their 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 pitching program has to be from top to bottom has to be reevaluated. Because I think that's a problem that's that's been, you know, even even the days when they were winning, dating back to the Leicester days, dating back to the Buckholz days. Like Matt Barnes was drafted in the first round as a as a starter, he ended up a reliever, right? Like Hauk was drafted in the well, first this, round. And as this a was starter. this was an exercise, Probably. even going back to when Brian Bannister was working for them. And I mean, they they I remember one off season, they're like they spent an entire winter weekend of doing this exercise. But it hasn't yeah. taken root. And I'll give you so off of that conversation to that, that a name that has been brought up is is Dodgers GM Brandon Gomes. Cause, you know, obviously, you know, pitcher, 
Um, but also a guy like you look at systems. I mean, the Dodgers, <laughs> that's a pretty good one too, in terms of finding pitchers. It just, oh, is. yeah. 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 I'm so. looking right now, uh, real quick. Uh, and Antonetti, he's a, he's a, you know, New England guy, you know, went to, he's from Connecticut. Uh, he's been, he's been with them since 1999. So he's been there. He, he, he's seen it grow. He's seen it. He, he, he's seen that thing. He didn't only just manifest the thing. It's, it's come to power. So, well, and here's, a, here's another aspect of that too. Is that if Francona leaves as we expect him to? Yeah. You know, like that was, they had such a good thing going on there. Such yeah. a good thing. And, you know, who knows? I mean, I don't know. Like maybe he's like, okay, here's his opportunity to build something. I don't know. I, I don't, this is again, this conversation is about who you would want to pick. It's not really like who you could get. Yeah. But, uh, but that, I mean, that's a good one. And again, the Gomes. All right. But it, for me, it's, I would like to see, I guess this is what Gomes is doing under Andrew Friedman right now. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, do you, do you say, do you take the chance of a guy who hasn't been the guy? And saying you go beat the guy because we're just coming up with the Red Sox. You're just coming off of that, right? Yeah, no. David, I, I think, David I Stern, David Stearns is is a guy who has been doing the, the thing, right? Yeah, I think I think you need somebody that's proven in that role. I think I think we've even even down to like like again. I don't think this should be people to take this the wrong way, but like David Force should not be a name that the Red Sox are like people been throwing that out there. Like sure. His wife is from here. He went to Harvard. Was a great player, but optics wise, and and he's built something with Billy. I think that's very important, you know, to the to the to the fulcrum of baseball as we're looking at it. However, we're we've been talking about the A's as a, as a historically bad team for whatever reason. Like you know, it, we all know it's the ownership, right? We all point to the ownership because eleven out of the twenty years that Billy Bean has been there, he's made the playoffs. David Force has made the playoffs. Fine. But optically, if you take this guy, David, Ford, it would it would have to be Billy Bean, who I said is right. not not coming. It, it would is, have yeah, this it this has to be part of the conversation. It, right? it can't be it can't be David Force, the second guy in command, who people don't even know, right? Most people think Billy's the GM, and that was it, right? Like you can't just say, oh well, I'm gonna go get. Even though David does it, it again, he's the first guy. He's doing the day to day stuff, and he just sort of. I don't even know if Billy's even okay's it anymore, but whatever. My point of being is like you can't take a guy from the A's. We're talking about a historically bad team. They're talking to the owner to sell the team and then make that guy the GM of the Red Sox after bringing in a Tampa guy. Like you can't do that. Like it's it just won't go over well. Well, and 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 it's also not only that, but as I pointed, I think I pointed out to you the other day is that the the most recent results just that doesn't paint a great picture for him either. Like I think he's made done a pretty good job. As you say, it's a results business. They made the playoffs a ton with not a big payroll. But this recent round of having to turn over a ton of good players, the good players which he and got. losing those trades, too. Like, look and, what they but got. But that's the, that's the point, is that, is that they shouldn't be as bad as they are right now with the amount yeah. of guys that they tra- – it's not like they lost them a free agency. They yeah. traded them. Right. So, yeah, so uh, – so, but look, let me give you one. Like, if you're if I'm talking about – like if I'm saying again, this is this isn't necessarily even for a specific team. This isn't like saying that this person would leave their current job. But Kimming in Miami, mm-hmm. what, what what I like a couple of things I like. 
and it's only been a brief time. That's fine. But she does come from a place, you know, where they've had a lot of success with the Dodgers. And, um, the, and you look at the trades that she has made, really gutsy trades. The trick kind of trades we mm-hmm. talked about. One for ones. You look at the deadline, Jake Berger. I mean, sure, you know, like, holy mackerel. You think that a lot of GMs would make that trade? No. Mm-hmm. But this guy has been the perfect guy to get. He's under control for a long time. And he's, his value is as much as whatever prospect you gave up. But at, at best, at best. Yeah. So, and then like a subtle thing, and I heard this about like when they hired, when she hired Skip Schumacher, Skip, they said, you know what? You get your guys. Right. You get your guys. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. And, and, and you do your thing. Right. I mean, that, that, that has to, and that doesn't happen all the time. No. It doesn't. It doesn't. Like you can't. You like it's. It's something to be able to say. Like, oh, you got your guy, right? Like, because then it's like you have to produce, and then it, it's just a different level of like. And, and you got to look at the the Heim situation too, right? Like he came into this. Corey gets fired. He didn't. Re- he wanted the fold guy as uh, from from. To my Which, by the way, by the way, if that name's like, don't tell me if you agree or not. No. 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 But if, no, no, if that know. if that name is surface, right? Yeah. If, if he like. That core, that dynamic with Cora is never happening. No, 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 no. Like that's that's why Will Venable was was like there on that seat as like as like the bench coach, right? Like that was necessary. That was a Heim guy. Like that's a guy that you you pair with a Sam Fold. But like you can't just bring these guys that people don't know to this market right now. Like that's not going to be what gets Dodgers fans to not come to the games and get Orioles fans not to say, oh. On the you know as as a as on the on on oh say can you see or whatever whatever they do in the national anthem, uh, you're uh, still blinded by go Jays go, yeah exactly go Jays go, uh yeah all right well listen we've solved a lot of the world's problems today Julian yeah guess what guess what you you have officially you already have the gear you already have the baseballs and boring gear yeah. You are officially invited to our end of the year baseballs and boring party in Baltimore. Oh wow! Yeah, at at the place. Uh where Ian's where Nick? Where? No, Ian's. No, no, no. That spot is solid. Oh, James Joyce. Yes. Yeah, no, no. We're talking about like like at, at near the park. You know, we're negotiating with some places. Nice. But it's. Uh, I feel like it's a great time to celebrate the great game of baseball in the last series of the year. And yeah, I have, and it's I have, been a long. I, it's been a long year, Rob. Yes, I, and I have an excess of orange baseballs and boring T-shirts that. Oh yeah, the people there want. Just make sure, make sure it's iron for Jackson Holiday this time. All right. Why? What's he's? He has to earn the iron. Earn the iron. In more earn ways than one. In more ways than one. All right. I see. I see. Uh, you have things going on there. No, I have nothing going on. I just, I, I just needed my charger because my work ethic was off the charts. It was. You, you, have, to, you have people texting you and, and, and contacting. All right. Well, you did a good job. Yeah. You're, well, you're, two, you're two for two. Congratulations. All right. Good talk.